David led a God-honoring and volatile life that impacted the future of Israel. Join us as we review the great life of King David on The Bible Brief. Today is review day on The Bible Brief. If you haven't left us a five-star review on your podcast platform, will you do that today? Reviews are a key way that new people find out about the show. David is one of the most important people in the whole Bible. In fact, across all the text of the Bible, David is the second most mentioned human person in all the text, second only to the Messiah. David exists at this crossroads in the Bible where hope and success for Israel are nearing their peak. The land has been conquered to a large extent. The Lord has given rest to the wars within Canaan. Through David's steadfastness in following God, he showed the nation what a relationship with God looked like. Through ups and downs, sins and forgiveness, David showed that he was a man after God's heart, a king worth following, a friend worth trusting. The nation of Israel, however, is about to go through significant shocks, shocks that will end with a kingdom decimated, an exile away from Canaan, and David's family line largely turning away from God. It's no wonder that David is mentioned so much throughout the remainder of the Bible. He represents a past picture of a future hope. Since God's great covenant with David, Israel was focused on one thing, the coming of the great Messiah, the better David who would rule Israel on David's throne, permanently conquer his enemies, and usher in that blessing to the world first spoken of in the Abrahamic covenant. David became a name not just to refer to the historical person, but to refer to the great hope that the historical person represented. Hope of a future anointed one, a Messiah. We need to know David well, because the Bible can't get enough of him. So let's review the life of David before we continue in the story. David grew up as a shepherd taking care of his sheep. His family was from the town of Bethlehem, where David had surely been told about his great-grandfather Boaz, the man who'd married that righteous Moabite woman named Ruth. His family wasn't particularly notable outside of Boaz, but they were within a very notable tribe. They were in the tribe of Judah, that tribe that their ancestor Jacob had blessed with a special blessing as he lay on his deathbed. Jacob had said to his son Judah, The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he comes to whom it belongs, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. That great blessing was well known throughout Israel, and served as a division for many historical events. Judah had been the lead tribe in the wilderness wanderings with Moses, and Judah had led an attempt to continue conquering the land after the death of Moses' successor Joshua, But now that God had established a kingdom in Israel, Judah found themselves like every other tribe. Oddly enough, Saul, their king, was from the tribe of Benjamin, not Judah. David was less concerned about the kingship than he was his sheep, however. As the youngest of his brothers, he was the one who had to take care of them. His shepherding staff had seen him through some close calls, too. He'd fought bears and lions in protection of those sheep and he'd ensured that nothing would happen to them without his watchful eye. 
David had cut his teeth leading sheep, but God was preparing him to lead men. One day, the great prophet Samuel came to the home of his father Jesse, searching for someone. Samuel was searching for the man God had chosen to be the next king over Israel, a man after God's heart. And before long, David was called in from the fields to come see the prophet. Surprisingly, Samuel saw him, immediately anointed him by pouring oil on his head, and just as swiftly left for his own hometown. The shepherd boy had been set apart as the next king over Israel, and God had placed his spirit upon David in this new anointed role. Then David's life began to change in drastic ways. First, he was called into the service of the current king, Saul. Saul faced a harmful spirit that often brought him into fits, and David, a skilled musician with the stringed lyre, would play until Saul was refreshed to a better state. David had gone from tending the sheep to tending the current king. But his role would soon change yet again. Since the sheep were still partly in his care, David would spend time commuting from Saul's home in Gibeah to his hometown of Bethlehem, and on occasion his father Jesse would have him run errands as well. Eventually, one of these errands led him to a standoff between the army of Israel and the army of the Philistines. Jesse had instructed David to deliver provisions to his brothers in Saul's army, and David followed his father's instructions. However, when he came upon the valley where the armies were encamped, he heard a large Philistine man taunting the army of Israel. David also saw the men of Israel cowering in fear at this giant foe. Something had to be done about this. So David says to King Saul that he will fight this man, Goliath, who is taunting the army. Saul initially rejects David's offer to fight, but changes his mind after a conversation with David. The young man mentioned that he'd fought for his sheep, and just as he'd fought the predators for them, he could fight Goliath for Israel. Soon David faces the man and says this to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of Yahweh of armies the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. David shows his confidence in Yahweh before crushing the head of Goliath with a smooth stone and cutting off the giant man's head. He soundly defeats the Philistine, and this begins a great day of victory for the army of Israel, who defeats and pursues their enemies. In a moment, David has gone from obscure shepherd and musician to the mightiest warrior in the kingdom. He's also gained a new best friend. Saul's son Jonathan had seen David's confidence in Yahweh and apparently understood David's future role as king. So he makes a loyalty covenant with David, giving up his own potential claim on the throne of Israel. It was a great day of victory and celebration. In fact, the women of Israel celebrated this great victory through memorializing David's strength in a song. They would sing this, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. Saul, perhaps, should have been grateful for this victory over the Philistines through his new young warrior, but instead, jealousy invaded his heart. Twice, as David is playing the lyre in his house, Saul attempts to impale David with a spear, but just as many times David evades the king's aggression. David continued leading forces for Saul and his army, and the nation came to love David, a warrior who fought with his people and fought for his people. He had so much success that Saul's jealousy continued to mount. Continually, Saul sought the life of David. He'd put him in harm's way. He'd try to get him to stray from Yahweh. And eventually, he escalated to just commanding others to put him to death. 
After months of struggle, David's friend Jonathan finally tells him, David, you've got to get out of town and not come back. Saul won't stop till you're dead. So David flees from Saul, and he flees with his men to Nob, where he's given some sacred bread by the priests. Then he flees to the Philistine town of Gath, where he feigns insanity to safeguard himself from the pagan king taking his vengeance upon David. After this, David flees to the cave of Adullam, where he spends a few years. He goes to Moab for a time, and he comes back to the tribal land of Judah before he settles for a while in a forest. In time, Saul sought out David to try to end this man who so threatened his rule. Saul commands the slaughter of all the people and all the priests in the town of Nob, and continues his pursuit of David for many years. David, for his part, spares Saul's life twice when he could have easily argued self-defense. Yet David shows ultimate respect to Yahweh as he steadfastly declares that he will not put out his hand against an anointed one of Yahweh. Saul had killed the anointed priests of God, but David had spared the anointed king of God. David would be a different kind of king than Saul. David and his 600 loyal men and their families eventually find themselves at Ziklag. Ziklag was a town given to David by the king of the Philistines, and from the town, David would conduct raids to continue conquering the land of Canaan. He would tell the Philistine king that he was fighting against Israel, when in reality he was continuing to fight Israel's enemies. However, after about a year, David faced a very difficult circumstance. The Philistines were going up against the Israelite army, and the king told David that he was going to fight on behalf of the Philistines. David and his men begin to approach the area, but the other Philistine commanders suddenly demand that David not fight with them. They feared that he could turn on them in a moment and give victory to Israel instead. David is sent back to Ziklag, but instead of a homecoming, his men find that their wives and children have been kidnapped and their town has been burned. David pursues the Amalekite kidnappers who had done this thing and defeat them before returning to Ziklag to begin rebuilding. Meanwhile, Saul's forces are being routed by the Philistines. Jonathan had fallen in battle. Saul had fallen in suicide. And the Philistines had begun celebrating a great victory. David soon finds out and laments the loss of his friend Jonathan and his father the king. He composes one of his many songs to honor the fallen Saul and to honor the love of his friend. After the death of Saul, David is declared king over his tribe of Judah. But it takes a small civil war for him to consolidate power over the other tribes of Israel. Saul's son Ishbosheth tries to mount a resistance to David but he can't stand in the face of Yahweh's anointed king of Israel. Upon the conclusion of the war, David takes the city of Jerusalem and builds a great house there. Because of God's presence with the army of Israel, David has great success in further battles against the Philistines. Soon, David has the Ark of the Covenant brought into Jerusalem by the priests, and he later expresses a great desire to build God a house. He expresses this desire, but God tells him that instead, he will build David a house. God begins the promises of the great Davidic covenant involving a dynasty, a throne, and a king. A dynasty of kings coming from David's line, a throne of an everlasting kingdom, and an ultimate king to rule forever over Israel. David, the man after God's heart, is promised eternal covenant promises from God, and he's humbled by God's graciousness to him. He eventually writes many songs about this coming Messiah, 
who will rule on his throne. Years later, however, we see David fall into great sins. He commits adultery, and he murders the husband of the woman who he had slept with. God confronts David through a prophet, and David is immediately contrite, understanding his disobedient sin against God. Consequences for his sin are announced by God. He will have violence in his house. An adversary from his house will rise up against him, and he will lose the child conceived in this act of adultery. David's severe sins had severe consequences. We begin to see these consequences in the next generation, as David's children follow his bad example with awful sins of their own. David's firstborn Amnon commits incestuous assault on his half-sister, and he's subsequently murdered by that sister's brother, Absalom. David's sexual sin and his murder are echoed in the next generation. After Absalom returns from exile to avoid the penalty for murder, David reconciles with him. Yet Absalom mounts a coup to take the throne from his father, and David is forced to flee Jerusalem away from his son. David has spies in place, however, and he's able to defeat any quick attack that might have destroyed David's chances of regaining the throne. After Absalom gathers a great army to fight against his father's forces, they come against David, and they are soundly defeated. Absalom is killed by Joab, despite David's desire for his son's life to be spared. After these tumultuous years, David consolidates his rule again, putting down a rebellion by a Benjaminite named Sheba. David begins his wars in the land again, and God gives him victory over his enemies. Years pass as David continues his wars, but eventually he's tempted to do an unrighteous census of his forces. He commands Joab to take a census, and God uses this as an opportunity to judge Israel for an undisclosed sin. Through a prophet, God tells David that he has an option of consequences for this census. He can have a famine, an enemy invasion, or a plague of pestilence. David chooses the pestilence because he reasons that a judgment directly controlled by God would be subject to God's great mercy in a way that the other choices would not. Soon God begins the pestilence and appears as the angel of Yahweh meeting out this penalty. 70,000 men die in the plague but God stops short of destroying Jerusalem. Instead, through a prophet, he commands that David buy the property where the angel had appeared and raise an altar for sacrifices. This episode creates a context for the house of God to be built that David had so desired earlier in his life. This real estate purchased by David would become the holiest place in the world. It would become the place of the great temple of Jerusalem that would house the Ark of the Covenant. And David spends his remaining years preparing his son Solomon for this great task of temple building. David's life was one of great activity and volatility. In one moment he was a shepherd, in the next he was a conquering warrior. In one moment he's eating at the table with the king, in the next he's a fugitive from the very same king. Throughout his amazing life, he wrote over 70 songs that we find in the Bible. He showed great faithfulness, and yet when he did sin, he also showed great personal contrition, coupled with unyielding confidence in the mercy of God. David was a man after God's heart, and his life illustrates that even a sinner can be used in great ways by a mighty God. A mighty God 
who would bring his promises to David to full realization, as a king from David's line becomes the central hope of the entire nation. Join us next time as Solomon takes the throne and ground breaks on the great temple of God. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.